if we can capture the heart of God towards us today, God's heart is towards you. God's heart is towards you this morning. We're not trying to beg him. We're not trying to garner favor. We're not trying to push our way in. God has opened the way through us through Christ and says, come and have access into the throne room this morning. And the thing is, I hope you caught it in the spirit the way I caught it in the spirit this morning. What Pastor Tony said, you have a front row seat. But God, this is the amazing thing of Hollywood God. Hear what was said. There are billions of people behind you, but everyone is having a front row experience. Where God does something in the, in the spirit that doesn't just go, and Veronica's my favorite, and Jenny's my favorite, and Rich is my favorite. Every single person is finding that one-on-one with a God of heaven. Oh, my Lord. His heart is towards us. Is that all right? Oh, man, it does your heart good, doesn't it? You know, sometimes we need to, we don't just need to, but we, we interject and we bring direction and we help to clarify what God's doing in the morning. But sometimes you can just hit a frequency and a song of the Lord and it starts to come and it captures that moment. We were in that moment this morning. If you wasn't in that moment this morning, where were you? Because heaven opened and it was your opportunity just to step in. I'm going to continue this morning. If you remember a few weeks ago, I preached and I used the title, Yes But. Do you remember? And we had very much of an honesty corner where we were talking about, look, the whole thing of coming to the wall, rebuilding the wall, how did we feel? And if we were all honest and we draw back to a few weeks ago, there wasn't that much faith in the room. Do you remember that day? Was that true? Yeah? But since then, I pray that as God and the Holy Ghost have started to bring the word of encouragement and the word of life to us, the last few weeks that Pastor Tony's brought, the word of faith, the word of hope, the word of clarity, the water level is beginning to rise in the house. Is that right? But let me just clarify one thing to you. The whole thing of this morning is that heaven has been open and we step in. There is a trumpet sound in heaven where God is declaring from his throne room, come to the wall and fight for your families. That is the prophetic sound which God is speaking from his throne room. It is spoken in heaven before we see it manifest on the earth. But even though we don't see it manifest as yet, it doesn't devalue what God is still declaring from his throne room. The principles of scripture are very, very simple. Surely the sovereign God does nothing without he first declares his words to his servants, the prophets. So God declares in advance what he is going to do. So that term of saying God is doing something, he's not doing something, he's being specific. The word that comes out is, my God, I am calling you to the wall, will you fight for your loved ones? Is that all right? So we're on the same page. We are on the same page this morning. Let me bring you a scripture, Nehemiah 4, 13 to 15. We've used this each week, but let's go again. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. We could just stop there, couldn't we? And fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. When our enemies heard that we were were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, let's stop. God has frustrated the plan of the enemy. We said, God, I tell you, I grabbed something hold of it yesterday. I was jumping around in my room while I was preparing for this. And I thought, my God, all of that where I see, where's my kids? Where's this? Where's that? What's happened to them? What the enemy has meant for harm, God can still use for good. God has frustrated the plans of the enemy. It doesn't matter how far my boy has slipped down the pecking order when it comes towards God. God still knows what he's doing. I said, God knows what he's doing in my life, my family's life, and also in yours. Because God is awesome and he's great. 
he has frustrated the plan of the enemy. I, when we had our honesty corner, I'd said to you about Phil's need to come to faith where his own kids are concerned. I can look at something and think, my God, somebody has gone so far down that track, surely even you can't turn it around. And you know what happens? God says, you, Phil, better have a word with yourself. And the word you better have with yourself is my word. Because I can't convince me, but he can. Is that all right? Now, if you remember, we touched on something very, very quickly. We said that there are three aspects to every single one of us. The personal, the corporate, and the national responsibility. And we said that that was all enveloped and wrapped up in the three Fs. The three Fs was that if we build strong families, if we can teach financial intelligence, delayed gratification, correct use of credit... If we build faith, Christ-centered lives, disciple generations, carrying a kingdom mandate, we can see our nation turned around. Mm. We can see our nation turned around. Strong families, strong faith, and financial intelligence will give us a platform to push forward to see this nation changed. We said that also there were three types of mountain, three types of mountain that we will ever face. Number one, the mountains that we speak to, which is relation to faith. If you have faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be moved. So there are mountains that will be moved by the words that we speak. We have the mountains that we inherit. Caleb said, give this Mountain, me, give me my inheritance. There is an inheritance that you and I have a right to. And finally, there is the mountain of the Lord that we have the privilege to ascend. Andy used the scripture, and uh, surely this morning in the early morning prayer meeting, that was, Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. If you have clean hands and a pure heart, you can ascend. He makes it so simple for all of us. But what we have found and what we made clear and made very, very plain to us last time we ministered is that when we come to this position of faith, of looking to fight for our families and to push through, I can't do it with a pipe dream, with wishful thinking, with a rabbit's foot, with crossing my fingers, with hoping and squeezing my eyes really tight and hoping it'll all be right in the morning. Things are not going to change. We need to find the preceding word, the word that God is speaking into our situation and launch that back in prayer. We are not praying anything. We are praying what he is saying. Which brings us all into this morning. Are we all right? So this morning's message is entitled, My Old Man's a Dustman. My Old Man's a Dustman. For those who might be slightly older, there's a guy, Lonnie Donegan. He used to have a song, My Old Man's a Dustman. He wears a dustman's hat. You know the rest. Get it on Facebook. Do it on something. Find it on YouTube. Track it down. But the title of this morning's message is My Old Man's a Dustman. This morning, there is great hope in what God is declaring. I said there is great hope in what God is declaring this morning. We said that when the arrow and the bow needed to come together in unison, that a bow without an arrow is no good, and an arrow without a bow is no good. Yes, I might be able to beat you with a bow. I might be able to stab you and poke you with an arrow. But the two together have been made so that they come and they're fired in unison, aren't they? Yes? There is great hope. And the word that we believe that the Lord was helping us, it helped me, helped my family, And hopefully you bought into it too, was this scripture from Jeremiah 31, declares this, 31, 15 to 17. Thus says the Lord, who's speaking? God is speaking. God is making the declaration. A voice is heard in Ramah. Lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. Does it sound familiar? She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. Thus says the Lord. Who's speaking again? 
Right. Restrain your voice from weeping and your eyes for tears. For your work will be rewarded, declares the Lord, and they will return from the land of the enemy. There is hope for your future, declares the Lord, and your children will return to their own territory. Thus says the Lord, your work will be rewarded. Blow your nose, dry your eyes, stand in a position of faith. I have to do what I will do, and he will do what he will do. But he will draw them back from the land of the enemy, because there is hope for your future, and your children will return back to their territory. Your children will come back. Why? Because God has already frustrated the plan of the enemy. He has already found a way for them to come out. He is already plotting a Red Sea breakthrough that even though there seems huge obstacles in front of you, I can't go backwards and it seems I can't go forward. God makes a way where there is no way. But will you and I stand in faith? Question. Can God do what he says he will do. Can God do what he says he will do? Second question. Will God do for you, Veronica, what he says he will do? Because it's great when we're all sat in here and we say, of course God can do what he can do, but will he do it for me? Will he do it for me? That is what you need to settle in your heart once and for all. That when God is making his declaration about families coming back, your children returning, that you will have hope in your future, that your kids will have their own territory back, does that mean me or am I only talking to Phoebe and her family? I have to make that a reality for me. It has to be settled once and for all. Pastor Tony did a brilliant job last week, and it's not my job to add to it or take away when he talked about each one has a measure of faith. God has given each one a measure. Stick your hand up if you're each one. So that's all of us. So every single one of us have been given a measure of faith. Is that right? Well, let me encourage you something this morning. In the word that God is declaring about you standing at the wall and you fighting for your families... Are you ready for this? You do not need any more faith than the faith you already have. You do not need any more faith to see that turned around than the faith you already have. Ephesians tells us this. We are saved by grace through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Okay, so God has gifted you a measure of faith, every single one of us, not only for salvation, but there is that seed of faith which is planted in each one. Pastor Tony again touched on this morning, 30, 60, 100 fold return on that measure which you have. I need to water the seed, work with the seed. Now, here's the thing. Let's put it in its right contents. Each one has been given a measure. Once you have been given that measure, you must come to faith because faith will not come to you. God says, right, I've done everything that you need. I have given you everything you need for life and godliness in seed form. He imparts it into our life and says, right, now you work with the faith I have given you. Add to your faith. So we find from from Peter, don't we, the way that I must add to my faith. I must mature it. I must develop it. I must work with it. But let me give you a really, really simple illustration this morning. Is this all right? Julie, can I borrow you just for one minute, miss, please? Will you please sign your name on the board? Just, yep, sign your name. Okay. Excuse me, where are you going? Can you now do it again with your other hand? Now, to me, that's a pretty good attempt. Wouldn't you say? Why isn't it as good as the first one? It's not just the hand that she uses. You see, I've seen all this stuff. Seen it with our ward veterans and different things. Somebody loses an arm... When you lose one thing, you better start getting good 
at the one that you don't normally use. The ability to write your name left-handed and right-handed is in you. You have the capacity to do it. What don't you do? Practice with your left hand. Faith has been imparted to you, but what do you not do? Practice your faith. And when you practice your faith and learn to stand on his word, go where he's going and work with the way that he's working, it gets easier. You know, we've got little Rubster, yeah? There's Rubes. She's learning now. I'm learning to write my name. And the first thing she does is get it and put the pen in her left hand. And she starts to write. And all of any of her writing is getting better, but it still looks like an epileptic spider. You know what I'm talking about? It's like one of them all over the place. And we take the pen out of her left hand and go, no, no, you're not a lefty. You're writing. And she writes it with that. But when you're little, you're just as comfortable picking the pen up with this hand or that hand. Is that not right? What God is saying is, I have given you a measure of faith. Why are you trying to churn up or add to what you've already got when you don't use what you have? I'm saying if you use what you have, we come in line with his word. And from there, we grow. Shall I let you into a secret? God is not Pharaoh. God does not ask you to make bricks without straw. Everything you need, all of the materials, every aspect and asset that you need, he's already imparted to you. He said, right, when I say come to faith, I've already given you the faith. If you find the word, launch from that place. But can I believe him? Will I hold him? Will I trust where he's coming from? I want to read a different translation to you this morning from the ones that have been read over the past few weeks. Nehemiah 4.10. We've been in and out of this story now for several weeks. But I'm going to read it from the New American Standard. And it declares this. Thus, in Judah, it was said, the strength and the burden of the burden bearers is failing. Yet there is so much rubbish, we ourselves are unable to rebuild the wall. There is so much rubbish we're unable to build. There is so much rubbish we ourselves are unable to build. But who said God can't? Who said God can't build? See, the issue is this. There is rubbish, there is rubble, there are hindrances in every life. Do you know what it's called? Life. Life puts obstacles in your way. Some things you climb over, some things you climb under, some holes you fall into. I think we call and know what it is. It's life. Yes? Life doesn't always hand us an even set of cards, does it? You know what it says? Good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people. It's life. We go through different circumstances. But we have to deal with the rubbish. If we don't deal with the rubbish, we will never progress and move to what he wants us to do. I knew when I wrote this statement that it sounded twee and it sounded like you thought I was being funny or sarcastic. I'm not. I'll say it anyway because hopefully it'll stick with you. God is a builder. Yes? God is a builder. Can he fix it? Yes, he can. Now, you might be, see their faces, you're all going, Bob, Bob the builder. Can he fix it? Yes, he can. Let's not go down the twee side. God is a builder. He is the master builder. He is the architect. Just see how he spun the universe in its place. Look how he set everything in order. Look how he created the sea and said, this far and no further. The way and the wonder of what he does, the majesty of everything that he is. God desires that you and I will partner with him to build on the word that he has declared. See, we read that wonderful scripture from Jeremiah, Jeremiah 1, that says this in Jeremiah 1.10, See today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot, tear down, to destroy, to overthrow, to build, and to plant. Was that the decree, the message, and the mandate of Jeremiah? It's not a trick question. 
Is that what God is declaring to him? You're thinking, Phil's got another trick question. If you say this, he'll say something different. That is the mandate to Jeremiah. See, this is what I'm doing. But there's one thing that is plain, if we look into it, that was Jeremiah's mandate, but that was not what Jeremiah was. Because let's read Jeremiah 31, 27 to 29. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will plant the kingdoms of Israel and Judah and the offsprings of the people and of animals, just as I watched over them to uproot, to tear down, to overthrow, to destroy, bring disaster, so I'll watch over them to build and, de- and to plant, declares the Lord. The very thing that God was saying to Jeremiah is, this is my nature, this is my character, you partner with me. Jeremiah wasn't the one who was uprooting and tearing down and building. God says, I do that. Even Christ says, I will build my church. Didn't say to you to build it, he will build it. It gets messed up when we start building. We partner and co-labor with him. But then that final part of the scripture is absolutely awesome. It says this, The parents have eaten sour grapes, and your children's teeth are set on edge. But the bit before it says, In that day they will no longer say, The parents have eaten sour grapes, and your children's teeth have set on edge. Meaning what? When we come to Christ in this day, the sins that this man makes, his children don't pay for. Look at how many times through the gospel, when someone's ill, the question that people ask Christ, who sinned, this man or his parents? I paid the price for what my parents did. Yes? In here, that day is here that says, no longer will my teeth be set on edge because of the behavior of my father. Something is cut off. So when we're saying and we're looking, now here's the thing. Should we have honesty corner again? Do we like Honesty Corner, don't we? The amount of times I've sat there and thought, what did I do wrong for my kids to make the decisions they make? Anybody else ever thought that? Where of a scumbag have I been? Where have I dropped the ball that made them make those choices and decisions? And sometimes you will live, it won't be you, I'll only speak about me, it's never you. You feel with sometimes the shame, the guilt, you feel that maybe you've missed your moment or the mark. All of it must have been something that I did. But of course, I'm not speaking to anybody else. I'm only speaking to me this morning. But you know where that condemnation comes from, don't you? Who condemns? Who convicts? The Holy Ghost convicts. The enemy condemns. So when I'm sat there having a woe is me moment, thinking, oh my God, can my kids ever turn around? I don't think you've ever saved anybody worse than my kids. Because my kids must be the worst. Where's that lie coming from? The enemy. But I step back and say, the Lord has frustrated his work. And my kids will return. There is hope in our future. So Jeremiah is looking to work alongside God. So you ready? Ready to, can we launch now? We've done all groundwork. Let's push to our main scripture this morning and let's just see if we can give us some hope for our future. Jeremiah 31, verses 1 to 6, declares this. At the same time, says the Lord. So who's saying it again? This is God's declaration. I will be the God of all the families. I will be the God of all the families of Israel, and they shall be my people, thus says the Lord. The people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness, and when I went to give him rest, the Lord has appeared to me of old, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you, and again I will build you, and you shall be rebuilt. Who's doing the building? And again I will build you, and you shall be rebuilt, O virgin Israel. You shall again be adorned with tambourines, and shall go forth with dancing and with rejoicing. You shall plant vines on the mountains of Samaria, as the planters shall plant and eat 
them as ordinary food. For there shall be a day when the watchman will cry from Mount Ephraim, Arise and let us go up to Zion, to the Lord our God. There is so much rubbish we cannot build. Some years ago, I spent six months, and I've used part of this story before, working with Angie's brother, Dave. And in all that process, I learned lots of things, but this is one thing that I will share with you this morning. Some things we can't share with you, but this one I can share with you. When you're doing a job, his job was, um, so it was double glazing, new doors, patio doors, conservatories, general building, that kind of stuff. When you go to do a job, if you do not remove the rubbish first, it just becomes a continual hindrance. You cannot walk and work over the rubbish. Clear the ground because the job will be done quicker, even if you think, I'll tidy up later. If you tidy up later, you just prolong doing the job. If you pull a pile of bricks out of a window and they're all piled up on the floor and I'm having to scramble over the bricks to try and do the job, you know it's a hindrance to me. Not only is it hindrance, it's actually health and safety issue, warning here now, need my special certificate because I might twist my ankle, might go over something, stand on a nail on a piece of wood that's still there, clear the ground and then I'm able to build. But these guys have said, there is so much rubbish. There might be so much rubbish. But again, as pastors touched on, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. You might see something and say, my God, there are so many things we need to rebuild where our families are. We're split, we don't talk, we've got this, we've got that. You know, and I know, every family's got a history. You might have that glorious family from heaven. I wasn't necessarily blessed with that. I'm blessed with certain aspects because I've got that wonderful wife of mine sat at the back. But when I think of my brothers, sisters, outlaws, in-laws, and everything else, I can shake my head. I can shake my head. I mean, Angel sometimes say this, Phil, I'm giving you prior warning, just letting you know, giving you time to prepare, to take a deep breath, but we're having a family meal. And we're having a family meal in three weeks' time. So then my response is, well, Angie, I'm giving you three weeks to take a deep breath to prepare yourself. I'm not coming. It's bad enough being kicked and bitten and shoved and poked by people who like you than it is by people who don't like you. And if I'm going to use my time constructively... Be blessed. (laughs) And I'll pay for your bus fare. Away you go. We all have family at different areas. And sometimes there are bridges that need to be rebuilt before any of this can become a reality. And do you know what happens in that? You, I, might just have to humble ourselves. Oh, no. 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 (laughs) Please. I know what they'll be like when I knock on that door and I get that. Do you know when somebody doesn't have to say anything and you just get the look and it starts at your head and looks down, slowly works its way. Oh, you've had the look. Slowly works its way back up and goes, yes. You know that wonderful greet each other with a brotherly kiss? You know that one? You look if you're going to get a Mancunian kiss, aren't you? Boof, get out of it. But it's that whole process where sometimes I might have to humble myself to enable some of this process to actually become a reality in our lives. As we said before, God is looking to build, and I will build my church. His declaration is coming from heaven. Come to the wall, fight for your family. That's being said there, the outworking and the reality issue of putting meat on the bones is where you and I might slightly struggle. Is there anybody with me that says I might struggle dealing with my nutcase family? (laughs) You see, I've seen some of your nutcase families when we've had Christmas dues. Your nutcase as well. Do you know when they said in every family there's a black sheep and in every family there's a nut? I found out that in most families there's one decent sheep and everybody else is a nut. 
Maybe that's me just being biased, looking in the mirror, talking to myself. But there has to be a breakthrough and a change. But let's pick up some of those points from the scripture that we just read. I will be the God of all families. Even yours. I'll say it again. Even yours. God has no favorites. God chose favor, but God has no favorites. There isn't the special... I had a walk with Kev Friday. I digress. I had a walk with Kev on Friday. We've been in the office for a bit. We said, Look, let's just get out. Kev, it's raining. I don't care. Let's just get out. Not got my coat. I'm out. I'm soggy. Where do we end up? Portland Basin. So I end up in Portland Basin, having a mooch around. First time I've been in Portland Basin. But one thing it says in Portland Basin, it's got all the histories of the towns and which family established it. So it's got the history of, oh, we've got the Ashton family. Why we have Ashton. The Duckin family for Staley Bridge. <laughs> you see all the different bits, and it was these families that were so special to the areas. When God looks from heaven, he doesn't just go, ah, right, the Duffield clan, they're my favorite. Even Andy goes, hmm. There was a time in scripture where families dictated whether you were in or out. You couldn't be a priest unless you were from the tribe of Judah, Levi, wherever you are. Certain tribes had certain characteristics. You'll be this and you'll be that. God breaks that down and says, I have no favorites. Your family is as dear to me as the Duffield clan. You might look around and go, well, there's me, you, and a dog named Boo. There's not an awful lot of us. God says there might be three of you, and there's 50 of them. But I value and I love the three as much as I love the 50. I will be the God of all families. Now, remember, God is the one not only who sets the lonely in families, he establishes families. We said that one of the three Fs is families that are coming together. Is that right? Bringing strength to our nation. We also said that God has the development of family and clan, so we have a sense of belonging. I place you in a body. We all belong together. Now, do you remember what we said? The gospel according to Disney. Remember the gospel according to Disney? It was this. Now, the law of the jungle, as old as the tree as the sky, and the wolf that shall keep it may prosper, but the wolf that will break it must die. As the creeper that girdles the tree trunk, the law runs forward and back, for the strength of the pack is the wolf, and the strength of the wolf is the pack. We are as strong as you. You are as strong as us. There is no favorites. God places us in a family, in a local house, which is part of the bigger body, the bigger Christ, the bigger clan that comes down. There are no favorites. I can move towards him. I lay hold of him. He loves me. The next fine uh, part that we found, it said, they found grace even in the wilderness. In Jeremiah, it says, even in the wilderness, they found grace. And that grace will bring you to rest. Even in my wilderness, I find a grace that will keep me and it must bring me to a rest. So let me just arrest the situation here for you for a moment. We've covered this in the past, but I just bring some fresh light just for the moment. The way I pray will determine the outcome. If I go to prayer and I'm frustrated with the behavior of my kids, of my wife, of my husband, of my auntie, of my brother, of my sister, of my gran, insert name here. Whichever one it is, if I go in frustration, guess what I sow into the spirit? Frustration. I have to come to a place of grace and rest so that when I sow, I sow from a position of rest and peace. 
I cannot come all frustrated, all wound up, all, you know, all inside, it's all kicking off. Oh, me skanky kids. And I'm getting all wound up, and you've seen this. Because you know when you go to pray, and you go to describe some things at times, that video starts to play in your head at just how much of a scumbag the person you're praying about is. Again, you don't live in Phil's head. Nobody's being honest, okay. We come and we start to pray, and that's when we see things. And when we see it, we become frustrated. Because we think, my God, and we start to declare that word. Oh, never will they depart from the truth. This is the way we walk in it. And we taught them this and we gave them values. So why did they do that? And then we feel betrayed and we feel let down. Nobody, again, nobody. I'm not talking to anybody this morning. All right. Let me just have my own personal rant for a minute. We become frustrated. We feel let down because of all the things that we thought we established in them. Pastor Tony made a statement last year to me which I think it's one of the best things he's said in a long time. He's only said one, but it, this is one of the best things he said in a long time. Phil, sometimes you have to trust the God in them rather than them. So I look at their behavior and think, my God, where are they going? But I have to believe the seed which is implanted in them that God can still turn that around. I have to trust and learn to trust the God that's in them. You know, the scripture declares this. You have not because you, and when you ask, you ask amiss, which means there is a way of going to pray, but you have not because, first of all, you don't pray. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago, rule number one-on-one, prayer for dummies, Remember we said it, strategy number one, when we say pray for your family, act number one is pray. We find a word first, well done, Julie. Point two. <laughs> just testing, just testing. There's only Julie listening. We find the word and we launch it in prayer. If I do not pray, why do I expect a response? But when I pray, do not pray amiss. Paul says we are not like men who beat the air. I'm not just out swinging in the dark, hoping to catch something. You know, it's not one of those, um, maybe old cowboy films where there'd be a, a barroom brawl and everybody just fights like that, hoping to catch with something. It's not like that. We are strategic in what we do. We stand from a position of grace, of faith, in rest, and we punch in the area that God tells us to minister in. So I launch this word. I act this way. I take this stand. I lift this shield. I put on my breastplate. All of those things are actions of somebody in control. And do you remember the scripture we used again a few weeks ago? Better the man who can keep himself than the man who can take a city. It's not you just rushing out and telling everybody how much of a scumbag they are and they need to repent, turn or burn. That's not what it's about at all. I stand in private and I'm launching my word. I'm prophesying over a pillar. I'm declaring over their room. I'm making that declaration. All of that time I'm working in line and on online with what God is saying. Is that all right? The next part of that scripture. The Lord appeared to me. Simple, simple statement. But let me put a simple, simple weight to that simple statement. God's not playing hide and seek. God is not playing hide and seek. The Lord has appeared to me. Do you know all them wonderful... Do you remember the days when we used to have gospel testimonies of, Dave, why don't you come and share the way that you found the Lord? I didn't find God, he found me. I didn't go looking for him, he came looking for me. The Lord appeared to me. So you're ready for what I believe is my Phil's revelation moment this morning. And you might go, Phil, you're acting like a div, but I'm telling you now, this is my action moment that if we can grab hold of this, blow something wide open. It's my job to call. It's his job to draw. 
It's my job to call. It's his job to draw. So that when I go to stand and fight for my family, I start to push in the spirit. God's spirit of the Holy Ghost has to arrest an individual and bring them in line to that word and draw them. This is not a time for you to go out, get your son or daughter in a headlock, dragging them, kicking and screaming into church. You will be in. We're under false pretenses. Come on, I'll buy you a kebab. Come on, and you're dragging them in. It's not. I launch the word in faith. God's job is to start to draw them by the Holy Ghost. Keynote. Note to self. When they do start to respond, don't get involved. Do not get involved. Do you know all them conversations that you wished you could have are not the ones to have on the way to church or on the way home from church when they've just walked through the door? Stay off their case. You and Tupac, down with a Tupac. Tupac, what was he said? Only God can judge me. Get off them. It's not your job to be judge and jury on the people walking through the house. God knows what he's doing. And he doesn't need your help. That might become as a slight shock to some of us in this morning. God in his throne, in his sovereignty, in his majesty, does not need you to get them over the line. I'll say it again. God does not need you to help get them over the line. He's drawing. We stand in our position and start to do the calling God will do the drawing. But if I don't move in faith to launch that word from a position of rest and peace, God can't do his job. I am the one who prolongs it because I've got to remove me rubbish. My old man's a dustman and I'm in the family game. Maybe I should start moving the rubbish myself. I have to remove the obstacles that maybe I've put in the place. Again, I will build you, and you shall be rebuilt. God will finish what he started. Even in little old you. God will finish what he started. We said before, God is not doing something he is rebuilding and establishing the clans in the house. And I do not believe God is doing this in Drollsden. I believe all over the world there are pockets of people where God is declaring, bring the families to the wall, bring people. This is not a word, one word, to Drollsden. God is starting to speak it out because his desire to move people back towards the house and back towards himself is greater than just you. We'll use imaginary person. Here's um, Sandra on the front. So here's Sandra. I didn't once look at Veronica. Sandra's here. Okay. Sandra's there. God doesn't sit in his throne room and go, poor old Sandra. You know, she's been praying for her kid for 30 years. Let's throw her a mercy drop, and at least he can turn up for the Christmas production. The prayers that we have sown and we've worked with, at times in frustration, in times with no faith, at times in anger, with our snotty noses, etc. God, you've got to turn it around and we just start throwing it all out. God discerns the heart behind that, not necessarily the words that we say. I am so glad that at times God does not give me what I pray about. The things that come out of my mouth... I could be hung, drawn, and quartered for, and then every time I'm saying that, I feel fully justified in the things that I'm saying. Anybody else? The times when I feel justified in turning to Psalms and launching his wonderful word, of launching those dirty Harry prayers that says, Lord, strike him on the jaw and break his teeth. I just hope you're not necessarily using that one on me. 
but I can launch some things. And God hears the heart behind it, what we're trying to say, that when we've sown things, and at times, can I be honest, at times we've cursed our kids and our families and the extended by the words that we've said. Aren't you glad that God doesn't hold us to it? All them accountable, because they will not pay the price for me eating sour grapes. When I'm on one, I don't get on one very often, but when I'm on one, you'll know I'm on one. You will not pay the price for me being on one. Aren't you glad? This process, as it comes to fulfillment, will allow you to be adorned with tambourine and dance. When your kids, your unsaved partner, your mum, your dad, your auntie, uncle, Fred the dog, whatever it is you're praying for, when God starts to turn that around, it better put a smile on your face and a skip in your step, you miserable bunch. I'll tell you, how ungrateful will we be that when that starts to turn around, they're just here? Well, they're here now. I was happy one week, now you're in the way. We have to have a joy and a delight in what God's doing. You shall plant vines and you'll draw from them. The process of seed time and harvest, that God will honor his word. We sow the seed, we work with that seed. The seasons come, the seasons go. It rains, it's sunny. We go through process, but yet at the end there will be a harvest. The seed that we sow in the Holy Ghost now, can you see and then result. I'm not just asking for a response. This is the things when we say that need to be settled in you and in I. Can I see an end result? If I don't see an end result, then do you know what's going to happen? I'm going to bail on root. So the thing has to say, God, open my eyes of faith so I can see what you are beginning to declare. There, Though there is no cattle in the stall, yet shall. I don't see it yet, but God, I'm building this ready for the response of your word. We get to draw from that. Then the watchman will cry, arise and let us go to Zion. The focus is moved away from what the enemy's doing. We set watchmen on the walls are saying, what's happening in our city? What's happening in our city? Oh, this has happened and that's happened. And the watchmen are declaring uh, the gatekeepers and the watchers are seeing things. But the day will come when the watchman's job will say, I am no looking, longer looking that way. Let us move towards Zion. And we move as a clan together up the hill of the Lord. We'll need some convincing on that one somewhere down the line. But the watchmen declare it's no longer looking at what the enemy's doing and all of our attention focused on how bad things can get. To my God, we're traveling as a clan. It's not me, don't worry. We're traveling as a clan and we're moving towards Zion. Question, is your family worth fighting for? See, I'm not fighting for everybody else's family. I'm fighting for mine. For God so loved the world that he gave. He didn't say Phil loved all the world. For God so loved the world, I have to know that my family is worth the effort. You have to decide once and for all, is your family worth fighting for? And if they worth, bring it back. Now here's the pointy stick. Do you know what we've told you in the past about the law of my mum that used to be, you have the plaster, one big ooh, or lots of little R's. Now, if you've ever had a plaster on your arm and it's hairy, you go one big rip, and you'll, ah, you, or you have the moment that goes, ah, 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 ah. we can have one big ah, this morning, or we can have lots of little so I decided we'll have one big ah. Is that all right? Please hear my heart when I make the following statement. What is the point in your kids, your husband, your wife, your mom, your dad, whatever it is, 
come into the house if they're going to be like you. What is the point in them coming back if they're going to be like you? Now, that's not here for me to kick you with. It's a statement. And the statement is, very, very simple, address yourself, you and God, in that mirror. God, am I becoming what you want me to be? Is the Christ being formed? And my God, is this house big enough for two fills? Because if part of my job and your job is to replicate myself, would I be like this every time Phil got up to say something? Every time Phil went to have a conversation, would I be? I'll send an apology later. We'll carry on the theme of pointy stick just for a minute. Is that all right? We'll get back to the hope bit in a minute. Maybe, just maybe, our kids, our unsafe partner, whatever, insert name here, are not here because they've seen you. Maybe our self-righteousness, hypocritical, bad role models, we don't practice what we preach. We go home to our unsafe partner and slag off everybody else about how bad it can be in a dream center. And Mel said this, and Julie did that, and they did the other, and Dave was this. And we wonder why people don't want to come. Maybe you are not the best advert. Just, just a moment. Just a moment. That is not saying my kids make the choices they make because I was a bad model. We know they went through kids' church. It was Shirley who was the bad model. (laughs) We have to ask ourselves a question. That we are not looking, please hear my heart when I say this, for your loved ones and family to be pro and establish in church. We are looking for people to be brought to Christ. And when they're in Christ... They must come to be trained, discipled, so that once they're trained and discipled, they can add their strength to our strength back at the wall. I underlined this. I wrote it down. I underlined it. We don't need another spiritual mouth to feed. We are not looking for a backside on a seat. We are not just looking to increase number. We are looking to increase strength and see Christ established. Paul says, I labor with all my energy until Christ is established in you. So if that is the apostolic mandate, that must also be our mandate. It's not about coming to church, appeasing my conscience, being here once a week or I'm here every few weeks or once a month or whenever I'm passing, I'd give you a mercy drop just to make sure we're in. Just let you know I'm still around. If the Christ is not being established in you, don't pray for them to come back. If they're going to come back and stay the way they were, why come back? If they're going to come just to sit on a seat, why come? Our prayer must be bigger than bring my family to church. Sunday went quiet then. God is the builder. We're establishing this. He is the one who will cause us to be rebuilt. I will build you and you will be rebuilt. Is that right? He is the one who will plant, will uproot, will tear down, will establish us. He will take us through that process. I'll give you a very quick couple of bullet points just to finish off with this morning. The prophetic trumpet is sounding. He who has ears, lame here. What the Holy Ghost is saying to the church. God wants building 
partners. He wants a JV, a joint venture, that you and I will add our strength behind what he's doing, and we say yes to him, and we move to where he's going. We call, he will draw the families. All families carry that same weight. All families are not with favor. He loves us all. He has given us a measure of faith. It's now time to start using it. There will be grace for you even when you feel like you're in a wilderness. Nothing's happening. Nothing's changing. And the sun's burning on me back. It's freezing cold at night. That when I talk to them, I get no response. Everything seems hard. I'm pushing water uphill. There will still be a grace. And that grace must bring you to rest and not frustration. God will build us and I will be rebuilt. And finally, the cry of the watchman is moving us to let's not just look at what the enemy's doing, but let's our families and our clans move together and move towards Zion. Is your family still worth fighting for? Let a man examine the cost. We touched on it, and it's our job to just to tell you again. There will be bloody noses. There will be grazed knees. There will be tears before bedtime. But yet, our God has declared, and he has said, that your children will return, that there is a hope in your future, and your children will be established in their territory. Amen? Come on, let's stand to our feet. Oh, what a day. I saw it. I saw it again just in the spirit just this week when I was praying. For those who who know the strength of the moment, who were here, who witnessed it, know exactly what I'm talking about. In our first agents of change, when we stood, and do you remember, we came to the front, and there was those from the Dream Center. We were only talking to the Dream Center, not the guests who came to the conference. And when Pastor Tony had been declaring some stuff, and he opened his eyes, and everybody had locked in. Do you remember? Do you remember that? Oh, hairs on the back of your neck start going up. If you was in that line, you know what I'm talking about. Something was established in that moment. And just the other day when I was praying and I was preparing for this, I saw that again, and I saw different people. I saw my kids. I saw other people's families. And they were in that same line, adding strength to strength, locking shields, standing at that wall and going, my God. And something just started to fan on the inside of me that says, oh, Lord, you know, maybe, just maybe, you could pull this off. Maybe, just maybe, in my best moment, God, you can turn this around. And when you do it, my God, I will be doing my dance. I will have my tambourine. I know Pastor Tony's banned tambourines from now, but it's biblical. I'll be having my tambourine. I'll be having a dance, but only once I've had percussion lessons. I'll be all here. I'll be having that moment to say, my God, Father, this is not, my joy was not complete when you joined us. My joy is complete when the Christ is established in you and you are then replicating Let's not just rejoice that they walk through the door. We need to rejoice that the Christ is established. So come on, let's again just raise those holy hands just for a moment as we finish. We say, my God, Father, I thank you that, Lord God, you are the one who is declaring from heaven that, Lord God, Father, it's time for us to call our families to fight for those at the wall. My God, Father, we're calling for them because you know, Lord God, Father, that can turn around. Lord God, where we've seen difficulties, we've seen setbacks, disappointments and hindrances. Lord God, Father, you see the finished work. My God, Father, we call them back into position right now. Just begin to lift up maybe a few names, a few names of the people that you're praying for, the people that you want to fight for now. Why don't you just do that and say, my God, we start to lift that up. Oh, my God, Father, we lift up those dear people right now. 
Lord God, Father, for each life, Father, that's in here right now, Father, we pray for those prodigals who's been before, that, Lord God, we're not just looking for a life to be brought back into church, but, Lord God, Father, we pray that they will come to serve the house, to serve the nations, to serve the purposes of God in our generation, that, Lord God, Father, we will see the fulfillment of your word in our lifetimes, Lord God. Father, we won't live on wishful thinking, we won't live on pipe dreams, but, Lord God, we stand and we launch your word, we declare the yes and amen is spoken by us. Oh my God, Father, for you are able to do all that you have declared you will do. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Amen.